Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. Hello, I'm Alexis. Welcome. I am joined today by, um, well, I'm joined today virtually by James Emery White. And as this is the premiere episode of the Church and Culture Podcast, I want to take a moment to properly introduce you to the voice that you are going to hopefully be hearing um, as you continue to join us for this podcast. So, Dr. James Emery White, or Jim, as his friends like I like to call him, he is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's also the president of Serious Times, which is a ministry that explores the intersection of faith and culture and also hosts the Church and Culture um, podcast and the churchandculture.org website. He is also a former seminary president and the author of more than 20 books. Prior to that, he received his Master of Divinity and PhD from Southern Seminary before completing advanced study at Vanderbilt University and Oxford University. He has served as a visiting professor at multiple institutions worldwide and has served on multiple academic boards. So more recently, he has spent, I guess not more recently, for decades, he has spent time researching the evolution of culture and the way in which culture informs human life. And specifically, he examines the dynamic relationship between culture and the church and the Christian faith, how the church should not only engage culture, but also should speak into culture in a much needed way. Now, before I go on, I'm sure I probably left something out. Jim, do you have anything else you'd like to say as way of introduction? Oh, I have an amazing wife, four amazing kids, and uh, 13 amazing grandchildren, and that's probably the highlight. Awesome. All right, well, we don't want to waste your time, so let me tell you really quickly what we can expect every week. Because as I said, we know your time is valuable, but we also think that these conversations are valuable. So every week you can expect to hear a short conversation, about 20 to 30 minutes, so perfect for whatever commute you might be on. Um, We're going to delve into the week's headlines and cultural um, current issues, and we're going to discuss how the church and individual Christians might respond to what's happening in culture. Um, So on that note, let's just start off this conversation by um, addressing why this conversation is even worthy of a podcast. Like, what are we implying when we are taking a whole podcast and saying that we need to do something perhaps a little bit differently? So do you mind, Jim, starting off by maybe, maybe tracing your initial interest in this whole subject of church and culture and why we need to be having this conversation? Well, it's difficult to be uh, a Christian who is attempting to make a difference with their life and not engage culture, not understand the world in which we live. Um, I was always taken by that kind of obscure, almost throwaway verse in Chronicles uh, about the men of Issachar. And it simply said the men of Issachar were those who understood the times, the signs of the times, and then knew what Israel should do. And they were known for their wisdom. A lot of people don't know, and you have to get this from the Talmud, but um, they were the ones that often made up the Sanhedrin and other ruling bodies where they needed wisdom, and they always picked the men of Issachar. And so this idea of devoting yourself to understanding the signs of the times and knowing what to then do uh, uh, has been something of a maybe small mission statement of mine in terms of my life. And so uh, we live in a fallen culture. Uh, you know, we, we want to be transforming that culture, redeeming that culture, engaging that culture, reaching it, evangelizing, transforming. And so the study of culture to me is nothing less than the study of our mission field. 
Well, can you delve into culture a little bit more? Like when you say the word culture, what are you referring to? Yeah, uh, it's 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 to me. My thinking is uh, culture is the world in which we live and the world which lives in us, and the, the world into which we were born. The world was born to us. It's it's everything. It's 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 music. It's art. It's literature. It's 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 architecture. It's politics. It's it's everything. It's this this world in which we live. Clifford Geertz once talked about culture as the thick webs that we have created. And uh, culture is and are those webs of which we have weaved and now we live. So if it is, if culture is so kind of all consuming outside and inside of us, why is this not a more natural relationship that the church would have with culture? Like it seems to suggest by way of this podcast that we're not doing this right necessarily. Mm -hmm. So what are ways in which the church has throughout history, I guess, really not engaged culture in the right way? Yeah. You know, yes, there are some aspects of where we haven't been getting it right, but it's also more a lot of just what we need to know. We need to understand so we can do better. But to, to your point, this is overly simplistic, but I think that you can see throughout history uh, a pendulum swinging in terms of the church's relationship with culture. And either it swings way far over to the side of being uh, at war with culture, despising culture, hating culture, culture's the enemy. And so as a result, you withdraw. Um, or it swings way over to the pendulum of kind of an unthinking embrace of all things with the contemporary culture so that you're both in the world and of the world. And neither swing has been healthy. Neither swing is good. And even in our moment, you find Christians on either side of these extremes. What you want to have, I would argue, is um, an embrace, an understanding of culture, but, but you build a bridge and so that you can be part of, of redeeming it evangelizing it, reaching it. And so you are in, but not of. You You are not a despiser, but you also are someone who understands that it is a fallen culture and you don't look at it uh, unthinkingly. And yet you also are walking across that bridge to engage culture, but you're not living there. You're not reflecting it in such a way that you have nothing to offer the world that it doesn't already have. So it's avoiding those two extremes, I think, is where we have largely gotten it wrong. I'm hearing you talk about this redemptive aspect of culture, it doesn't seem altogether different than just the Great Commission. I mean, what what Christians are called to do with with going out and engaging culture. And so, what do you think is what do you think is behind the larger church's hesitancy to engage culture more? Well, it's intimidating. Uh, I think when you um, it's easier to retreat or ignore, and um, the, the complexities of our world, but that's not going to make it go away. And that's not going to uh, succeed in, you know, as, I'm, as I say, the evangelization and transformation of the culture through the centrality of the local church. And so I think that we just need to get better prepared, understand the nature of culture and understand exactly where and how scripture applies to what's happening in our culture. And, and in many ways, regain uh, the prophetic voice that we have often lost. The prophetic voice, not in the sense of just condemning culture, I mean, that we're, but we were speaking into culture and we're offering an alternative perspective um, than what culture currently offers itself. Now, on that note, I attend Mecklenburg Community Church. And so I have heard you speak 
on a score of occasions about really um, timely cultural topics. Just this past year, you tackled gender, you talked about politics, um, you get into the relationship between science and faith. Um, and so with the target that you have on the wall, could you just kind of put pastors or ministry leaders at ease by um, explaining how those messages were received when you did give them? Yeah, I think that um, there is one group of church leaders that if you were to say, okay, over the next 12 months, you're going to do a series on politics right before presidential election cycle. You're going to deal with race issues. You're going to deal with gender and uh, the, the T in LGBTQ. And you're going to also deal with um, all things related to uh, science and God. They would probably say, well, shoot me now. I mean, you know, or let me update my resume. Um, and I think it's because there is a fear factor. There's an intimidation factor. A lot of times, you know, that's like they didn't tell me, train me how to talk about those kinds of things in seminary. But it's also a sense of I don't think my people want to hear me talk about those things. And if I do, it'll just be add more division onto what's already a deeply divided day. I would disagree. Yes, it's a deeply divided day. And yes, the Christian community has gotten far more ideological than it has theological. But that's all the more reason to speak to these issues. Uh, if these issues are dividing Christians, if these issues are dividing our culture, if these are the issues that are even defining our culture, uh, we need to speak. Uh, if we're silent there, we're silent at the point of greatest need. And if someone says, well, just preach the Bible, don't deal with issues. Well, the whole reason that you proclaim the truth of the Bible is so that it can be applied to life and issues and, and points of critical concern. It needs to speak to marriages in crisis. It needs to speak to challenges of children. It needs to speak to um, uh, issues of our day. Like I felt this, like um, during the, the two years of the pandemic, um, I, I just felt like there was, there was stuff breaking. It felt like almost every week where people were just saying, you know, can there be some guidance here? What does scripture say? Where is God in this? And so we found at Mac that um, our tenants would just go crazy every time we dealt with an issue. I mean, it was already doing well during the pandemic, but um, when you address these issues, people were just hanging from the rafters because they were desperate themselves to have some type of clarity. You know, please help me understand uh, all this thing, all everything trans, because I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, or, um, you know, I, 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 I don't want to be racist, but, you know, and I'm hearing all this different views of what it means. Can we talk? What does the Bible say about race even? And, and how did it begin? And what, what is it? They were, and uh, I can't begin to tell you how many times when we would deal with these issues, do we be flooded with response saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for dealing with this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for talking about this. Um, you know, thank you for your willingness to deal with these issues. Now, I will say, if you go into it with a chip on your shoulder, one ideology or another, if you go in there and you haven't done your homework, if you go in there and you just um, kind of, uh, feed raw meat to one side of an issue and caricature and 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 be condescending toward another uh if you have any diversity at all in your listening audience then i would call that reckless but if you go in there and you've done your homework and you're really teaching on this and you're teaching scripture on this you're really bringing a christian worldview to bear to where people who even if they disagree they go well that's interesting you know that's interesting 
Um, when we did the gender series, we had a number of people from the trans community uh, kind of join us through the online campus. And uh, I mean, more than more than a few said, I had somebody tell me this series was gonna start. I showed up online because I was ready to just get so mad and to just be so offended. And um, you disarmed me. And I may not agree with all that you said, but thank you for how you said it. And that's what you're after. In just a second, I wanna go back to what you're saying about doing your homework. But first, I imagine those who attend church, so not ministry leaders and who don't attend MEC are probably thinking, this sounds great. My church never talks about this kind of stuff. I want my church to talk about this, but they're not. So what would you say to them? What should they do? Encourage their, their church leaders, encourage their pastors to say, look, I, I, I want you to know that uh, I would love to hear you teach on this. I would love to hear the Bible's perspective on this so that the leadership feels emboldened, almost like I'm, I need to do this because of interest. Um, and, um, and if there is any sense of, uh, you know, not, not knowing how to do it, I mean, that's, you know, part of the whole ministry of church and culture. Uh, you know, we, you know, here's, here's talks on these things. Here's resources, here's blogs, here's, you know, future podcasts that we'll do on various things. So the whole goal is to be equipping church leaders. So they feel more and more, um, uh, in, not just emboldened, but equipped to tackle these issues. When you're talking about, you know, doing your homework and you mentioned the church and culture resources that um, we have available, but what, what are some other ways and what should people be looking for as they're hoping to engage culture or, or research culture? Yeah. I, you know, when, when, what you're really after is, and this is a much larger subject, but you're really after the formation of a Christian mind and the formation of a biblical worldview. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis once said, uh, how can you call a line crooked if you don't know what a straight line is? And one of the best ways to engage culture and be a student of culture is to get so immersed in what a straight line is, what a biblical worldview is, what a Christian mind is. I wrote a little book called A Mind for God a few years back that I still highly recommend where you, this is how you form a Christian mind. So you become a student of culture and, and, and you read the right books and you, you, you avail yourself of, of the right resources to have a life of engagement. Also kind of back to that crooked line, straight line, you know, I, I, I often would uh, tell my theology students that uh, you know how the um, treasury department spots counterfeits. They don't study counterfeit money. They study uh, real money. And they become such an expert on real money that they're able to spot a counterfeit. I think that's one of the most important things. I mean, there's some things in culture that are just egregious. It's so obvious. I mean, almost anyone would say, you know, that, you know, that's not very Jesus-y. But there's so many things in culture that are subtle. And that that kind of stair step you slowly and further away from, you know, orthodoxy, that really understanding what is real, what is biblical, what uh, thinking Christianly about things um, uh, becomes more important than ever to spot those and to begin to see just where salt needs to be applied to culture. And, and if you'll allow me, let me chase that because the whole metaphor of salt with when Jesus saying be salt and light, a lot of people don't understand the, the, what he was after there. Salt was not about flavor. 
Salt was what you would use when they didn't have refrigerators. And you would take salt, you would rub it into meat to keep it from putrefying. So it was, it was used that way. And so when Jesus said, be salt, he was saying, you be so in the world as a representative of me that you stand against the world putrefying. You, you, you keep the world from going bad. And so there is this sense where we are not simply talking about culture, analyzing culture. We're not simply decrying culture. We're making culture. We're transforming culture. We're wanting to redeem culture. That's what being the salt is of this world. Now, with that said, engaging culture fully, I imagine that there's probably some healthy boundaries there that Christians should have in place, right? That maybe the way in which one person might engage culture may not be wise for someone else. I've heard you speak about this before, but would you mind kind of giving some guidance yeah. there? Um, I do think that with between two Christians, say you and me, let's just say that we both agree as students of culture that it's important to keep abreast of what's happening, say, for example, in the world of film. Um, let's say you don't feel comfortable watching certain R-rated movies, um, particularly when you read what made it R, because it it um, is not good for you spiritually. And you know from history that it's not good for you spiritually. Whereas I might feel a greater freedom. It doesn't affect me that way. Doesn't mean I'm immune to sin, but that particular thing doesn't doesn't affect me. So I have a freedom and ease of studying that, watching that film, where maybe you don't. And then the tables can be turned on various other issues. This goes for books that can be read, plays to be seen, uh, even podcasts listened to. Um, and so I do think that we need to be watching for this line. When do I start being influenced rather than the influencer? If you're in any kind of relationship or setting where it starts to influence you more than you influence it, then that's an area that you will need to draw some boundaries. And, um, and also look for those areas where based on your own, the way you're wired spiritually aren't healthy for you. Um, I think there's a couple of areas where I think all Christians should study it from a distance. Uh, certainly any and all things with the occult should never be even remotely dabbled in and anything related to um, pornography. I'm not talking about R-rated sex. I'm talking about pornography, um, and you know those things are that um, can't help but deaden and coarsen the spirit, or uh, expose us, or put us in line with things that um, uh, Christians should have no business being a part of. I think the flip side might also be true that there are cultural issues that Christians should be looking into, but maybe don't because they're just simply not interested in them or they don't pers they're not personally affected by them. Yeah. And I think that's one of the disciplines um, that I take seriously is that it's not about whether I'm interested in this as much as whether it is something that is of interest to culture, which is why part of being a student of culture is being a student of what people are interested in, not simply what I'm interested in. It's availing yourself of what's happening in our world and keeping on top of what's happening in this world. So there's an awful lot of things that I study, I look into uh, that I have absolutely no personal interest in. Um, and But I know that it is of great interest to a wide number of people. And so uh, there might be um, you know, a Netflix series that I watch enough of to understand that I could not care less about, or uh, a particular podcast or even the review of a book, um, going to a website, uh, checking out a particular 
um, you know, person, a personality that is uh, emerging as being a big influencer on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram. Um, and so, and those are really interesting things because, well, I'm not interested in maybe their angle that made them popular on TikTok. I'm very interested in their worldview. I'm very interested in what it is and how it is they're influencing people. And uh, so, so yeah, that's, there's a very large place for that. Well, this hopefully will give people a taste then of what they hope, can hope to expect that you're going to talk about throughout the course of this podcast. But what would you say are some of the most pressing cultural topics of contemporary culture? Uh, three uh, come to mind immediately, though there's many more. One, as I often tell my theology students, um, the doctrine of humanity is the most important doctrine to be exploring right now because it uh, represents most of the cutting edge issues of our day. We talked about all things LGBTQ and the redefinition of the family and gay marriage and, and artificial intelligence. So many things related to what does it mean to be human and has never been under attack, embryonic stem cell research and on and on it goes. These are fresh questions that have not been addressed. Technology hasn't even raised them until now. So all things doctrine of humanity. Um, will be huge. The second one is the reality that we live in a post-Christian world, that that has happened. It is official. There's only been three eras in relation to the Christian faith, pre-Christian, Christian, post-Christian. Post it's officially post-Christian in the West. And that means a changing mission field. And then the third thing is the digital revolution. You know, what's been called the fourth great industrial revolution, but the digital revolution is uh, changing our world at the most uh, fundamental of levels. So if you think about just those last two, uh, the post-Christian reality of our world and the digital revolution, it means that something has happened just like as we're speaking that has only happened two other times. This is only the third great change. What has just happened is our mission field has changed dramatically and how we communicate with that mission field has changed dramatically. Pre-Christian world was obviously a pre-Christian world. That was the mission field. And uh, communication was largely oral in nature. The Christian era was obviously, um, that was the cultural milieu, but then the way we communicated was largely written and then mechanized writing. Now we have the post-Christian world and digital revolution. So it's only the third time that we've had this, this pairing change. And this has profound implications. And so the three biggest things to watch right now culturally, those three certainly come to mind. Gosh, well, hopefully, like I said, this is a taste of what you're going to expect if you continue to join us each week on the podcast. These are the issues that we're going to delve into. But I do want to respect your time. I think you're probably arrived to wherever you're headed. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jim, for joining us. Um, if you want to access this episode's show notes, or if you want to follow Church and Culture, the daily news headlines or its blog, just head over to churchandculture.org. And don't forget to share about this with a friend. This podcast can be access accessed at churchandculture.org or wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you next week.